with Dave Engbers from Founders Brewery. How's it going, Dave? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you could make it to New York. So, it's nice to be here. And you've got some weather that's much like Michigan happening. It's, a little, it's snowing outside. I woke up this morning to see the snow falling, and that was uh, nice to see. And uh, we're experiencing the same thing in, in Grand Rapids right now. So let's cover some very basic background on the brewery. It was founded in 97. Yeah, we uh, actually brewed our first batch uh, November uh, November 23rd in 97, so really we weren't really selling beer until 98. So you're coming up almost on 20 years now, about 16 years. It's been a, it's been a very fun ride. The first 10 years, we, uh, we were in our first location, we had a 10-year lease. Uh, we were in the, the first floor of a four-story building. We kind of forced a, a manufacturing uh, facility into a... Uh, more of a an office building. Uh, we had some ceiling height uh, restrictions. Our, our ceilings were about 12 and a half feet. So uh, in our early days, we we're brewing into horizontals, uh, almost across the board. Uh, we had to start out with a 30 barrel system. So back then, opening you know opening the gates with a 30 barrel system was kind of a a big move uh, when most people were were opening with seven or ten barrel systems. Uh, but our, our philosophy was always to be a, a micro distributing brewery. And so we had our, our challenges early on with the fact that, uh, as you know, in the late 90s, mid, mid to late 90s, the beer scene was a completely different landscape. We didn't have a huge craft audience. There was a handful of enthusiasts, but um, similar to what we're going through now, uh, breweries were opening up fast and furious. There's a lot of mediocre beer out there. And at the time, none of us micros that were, were opening up, not many of us really trusted each other because there, there wasn't this kind of fraternal bond that we have now. There wasn't a, a strong community. It was almost that we all wanted to get to market before the next guy. And um, so I think a lot of people almost compromised their brands kind of rushing to get the get the doors open just so they could be open before the guy down the street and so it was, it was just a different landscape we didn't trust each other we didn't at that point we didn't realize that there's strength in numbers and um but it, people say that you know the rising tide lifts all ships so it's a whole different landscape that we're dealing with today and you, you started with a partner mike stevens and you guys met in college were homebrewers yep mike and i met at hope college I started home brewing when I was 19. Mike started home brewing, I think, when he was in college. And um, this, honestly, was just our little pipe dream. What are we going to do when we get out of here? And we were watching a lot of our friends get jobs outside of what they had gone to school for. And you know, everyone just kept saying over and over again, you know, do what you love, do what you love. That's honestly after we both got out of school. You know, home brewing became a bigger and bigger part of my life. Ultimately, you know, after after being in the workforce for a year, we only go around once. We may as well enjoy it. So, so you guys didn't have any formal technical brewing education or training? Oh God, no! But you guys were the brewers at the get-go. Well, uh, Mike and I were home brewers, and from day one, 
we realized that opening up an operation that we were planning on, we brought in another gentleman who had gone to brewing school. So, um, you know, the three of us opened up the brewery together, and uh, he had professional brewing experience. From day one, it was three of us that were responsible for brewing, packaging, selling, running the business, starting to develop those relationships with wholesalers. And but we did everything. We, you know, we we put together the six packs. We put together. We we designed our labels. We, you know, you do everything. Plus, you gotta scrub toilets and bartend every night. It's a very glamorous job we have. So, from what I read, I think from your website, you mentioned that early on were brewing styles that weren't really cutting it. Uh, almost went bankrupt. So what were the kind of beers that you were brewing that weren't cutting it, and what were the beers that turned that around and made you successful? I think what it was, was at, at this point in our history, in the, in the beer industry, all these breweries were opening up. We didn't trust each other. We were all brewing. I, I think the term I always say is we, we brewed well-balanced, unremarkable beers. And almost the, the beers were more pedestrian, so the, the idea was to, and this was all done by design, I mean, the idea was to brew well-balanced beers so you could hit kind of a wide demographic. What we didn't realize at the time, or it took us a while to understand, was every brewery that had been opening up, we were all brewing pale ales, amber ales, some type of American wheat beer, some type of dark beer. Everyone tried a variety of flavor profiles, but none of them stuck out. You know, we were brewing nice beers, but just very pedestrian. And since every other brewery was doing the same thing, we realized, I think, fairly early on that we need to differentiate ourselves. Our business model didn't work. We were losing money. We, we weren't paying our landlord. We had defaulted on our bank loan. And so subsequently, we were facing bankruptcy. You know, I remember I was out doing sales, and I just said, every beer we're doing is, isn't unique. I said, everyone's doing a pale ale. We need to do something that, that really highlights us and doesn't compete with anyone else. So the first beer that we did that was really kind of out of the box was uh, Dirty Bastard Scotch Ale. And Dirty Bastard was the first time that we kind of came up with this, this idea of we brew beers we want to drink. And so uh, we kind of threw away the, the business model of brewing safe beers or, or beers beer styles that were high in demand and we created a brand that was high in demand so we decided to brew a beer that had a lot of malt uh, didn't have a lot of the bitterness that people that were new to craft beer sometimes feel is a little offensive so we wanted to do a big essentially a big malt bomb that uh, had a lot of flavor but was still smooth came in around eight and a half percent alcohol and um Throwing the, the name Dirty Bastard, I don't think, hurt it. It got us immediate attention. We sent it to some, some competition, came back as uh, one of the highest-rated Scotch Ales of all time. Anyway, and that, that honestly kind of put us on the map. And once we saw the, the immediate success from Dirty Bastard, we kind of changed our entire philosophy at, at the brewery. And fairly quickly we said, if we're going to play in this arena, let's brew beers for us. And it became very self-serving, but in doing so, we, we found a whole different audience of beer enthusiasts that really demanded more from their local brewery. And so soon afterwards, we, we came out with Breakfast Stout, Devil Dancer, Curmudgeon Old Ale, Bad Habit, which was a, a Belgian quad. 
really the idea was to, to brew beers for ourselves. And our slogan has changed over the years, but now we just say brewed for us. And it's true. I mean, we brew beers for a certain group of people that, that really demand more from their brewery. And you have a huge list of varied beers, different styles, a lot of one-offs that you guys do. I would assume that the Centennial is probably one of the biggest sellers, though. Dirty Bastard had been our number one seller from about 2002 to about 2006 or so. And then 2007 to 2012, Centennial became our, our highest volume brand. But Centennial and Dirty Bastard, I mean, they're a couple percentages off. They're, they're neck and neck. Until recently, just recently, we introduced All Day IPA, Session IPA, and that, that was a huge challenge for us. We, the, the thought process was we wanted to have a founder's beer, but to create a, a beer that had all the flavor that you'd expect from founders, but much lower in alcohol. It took about three years in development to, to create this brand, to find the right malt mix, the, the, the right hop additions, and so Founders All Day IPA has become our highest volume brand right now. That's even bigger than Centennial and it is. Dirty Bastard. And yeah. that's, that's your first beer in a can as well? It is. Yeah, we, we uh, integrated a canning line into our, our bottling line. It's really been great. I mean, the All Day IPA really is, I, th- I think it's kind of leading the session category right now. It's just, it's got tons of flavor, a great easy drinking beer. Uh, we use the word crushable at the brewery and I don't think we've compromised oftentimes you'll try some of these session beers and they just simply taste watered down all day is not watered down at all shit tons of flavor it's everything we want in a founder's beer but much lower in alcohol you know one of the things that we've always said at founders is kind of prided ourselves on not having a flagship for a long time Dirty Bastard was our number one seller Centennial became our highest volume but those two brands were neck and neck and now All Day has kind of become our highest volume brand but the one thing that we like is oftentimes breweries have a reputation they're only known for one beer and we've been fortunate that we've got a whole gamut of beers that we produce that some people know us as the Dirty Bastard Brewery but some people know us for the Breakfast Out Brewery some people know us for the Double Trouble Brewery so we don't have one beer that we really hang our hat on, which is cool, but also can be challenging that you know we don't focus our marketing towards one brand. Having that deep bench, as I refer to it, I think makes us very flexible for our wholesalers. It allows us to be a little more flexible, and hopefully we're seeing that we have permanent handles all over the place now, or, or you've got our, one of our flagship brands plus a seasonal. So. What are the biggest markets for founders? Uh, Michigan and our uh, our backyard is still our, our number one market. We've always said if you can't sell beer in your backyard, you shouldn't sell beer anywhere. Michigan has always been uh, a powerhouse for us. We call it the great beer state. You know, we've been really fortunate that the beer enthusiast community all over the place has, has really embraced our brand. Anywhere where there's a big population base, you know, obviously Chicago is big for us. New York is uh, is growing like crazy. In the last couple of years, we've really made a focus on gaining deeper roots in all of our existing markets. So we've hired, I don't even know how many, probably 20, 20 market managers and regional directors in the, in the course of the last two years. So we're, we really want to support those, these markets that we're already in. 
we've been very fortunate that our, our brand is growing pretty much everywhere where we distribute, and we're still seeing really aggressive growth. I mean, and that has allowed us to, to make some bigger investments and expansions. We put in uh, two 85-barrel brew houses last year, new packaging line, the new canning line. We've got a new, uh, a new beer cellar that will allow us to grow to about 320,000 barrels. Last year, your production was somewhere around 70,000? Yeah, 71,000. This year, I think we should end up around 115-ish. So with with some minor modifications to our building, uh, we should get up to about 320,000 in our existing footprint. That's a huge increase. Yeah. That'll that'll put you up there in maybe the top 10 of craft beers. Well, everyone's growing. So, you know, we're we're really fortunate to be in this business uh, at this time. Getting back to more about the beer than the business, you do a lot of barrel aging, bourbon barrel aging, and maple syrup barrel aging. Scissor barrels is what we refer those to. What? Scissor barrels. Someone told me we were the, the first brewery to, to put beer in barrels. I don't know if that's true. I think we started experimenting with bourbon barrels in probably around 2000 or 2001. And you know, throughout the year, I think we age, we're currently around 3,000 bourbon barrels that we go through a year. The first first beer that we ever experimented with became Kentucky Breakfast Stout, and then subsequently, Backwoods Bastard has become another fairly high volume barrel aged beer for us. And when I say high volume, obviously anything we put in a barrel, we can't do too much volume because of the how labor intensive that is. But we've got a great program. We age all our beer about 85 feet underground in the old gypsum mines of Grand Rapids. So uh, we've got a constant humidity down there, and the temperature is uh, nice and steady. It, it's kind of a, a fun, uh, fun thing for us to do. And the other thing, I mean, barrel aging takes up a lot of space. So there's multiple, I think about six miles of mines down uh, where we're aging all the beer. So uh, we just take up a very small percentage of that. Do you get barrels from the same distillery? Uh, there, yeah, there's one uh, supplier that that helps us out, and because we're uh, fairly high volume, we get um, we get some pretty nice barrels. Typically, we're we're aging the, the barrels that we get are typically 15, 15 to eighteen year old barrels. What distillery are you getting? We don't we don't talk about that so much, Bob. <laughs> Proprietary information. It is. How about the maple syrup? You can tell us where you get the maple syrup barrels. Well, I can tell you that the the barrels that we uh, that we get are they're basically bourbon barrels that once the, the distillers are finished with them, uh, they get shipped up to a friend of ours, uh, Steve Stillard, and Steve owns a company called Bleece, and Bleece makes, in my opinion, the best maple syrup in the world. It, so it's barrel-aged Michigan maple syrup, and uh, I think his process is about uh, six months of barrel-aging. His maple syrup's got all these wonderful vanilla notes and, and bourbon notes. And when he's finished, then the, the barrels come back to us, and then uh, we get to age our beer in there. And so we've some of the beers that we've done are um, Canadian Breakfast Stout, Black Biscuit, uh, Curmudgeon's Better Half, help me out here, Bolt Cutter, Cutter. Sweet Repute. They're really, really nice. We're able to get some of the, uh, you know, the sweetness or residual sweetness from the maple and still pull some of that bourbon flavor and some of those vanilla notes out. Anything big on the horizon you could clue us into? 
give us a little inside we've track. Got, we've got some awesome things coming up, and uh, we don't talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's really simple that we, we really do try to keep our cards close to our chest now. In the backstage series, the goal is to create two to three backstage beers a year. Oftentimes, there's only maybe half a dozen of us at the brewery that know uh, what those beers are. Uh, I can tell you some of those beers have been already been brewed, and um, some of our brewers, some of our cellarmen don't even know what those beers are. They will be fun and exciting when they do come out. Well, you don't have to tell us what they are, but just promise that you'll send them to New York. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that we've always tried to do is when we do create something, we want to... We always try to get it out in distribution. I don't think we've ever released anything only at the tap room. The goal is to get it out so everyone can uh, can experience it. And we know that not every, not all beer enthusiasts have the ability to make it to Grand Rapids, Michigan. But if, if we can, we try to get it out to everyone. Dave from Founders and Tim, the market manager for Founders in New York. Thanks, guys, for setting this up, for taking the time and talking to us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Bob.